Welcome to another episode of the Be Well Cartel podcast. Join us as we break down the truth behind all things fitness, nutrition, mindset, and more to help you form your own holistic definition of what is truly healthy for your body with a healthy dose of sarcasm, dad jokes, and real life experiences. If you're already a Be Well Cartel fan, don't forget to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and share your favorite episodes with your community. Thanks so much for being here, and we really hope you enjoy our newest episode of the Be Well Cartel. And we're back again on a Friday. The last couple of weeks were a little bit confusing, but it's, oh shit, it's not Friday, it's Thursday. As you said that, I was like, wow, it's, it's happening she again. She did it again, she did it again. <laughs> well, anyways, we're here. That's the point that I'd like to make. That part is true. We are yeah. all here. Yeah. yeah. I, I got to say though, guys, I have been really struggling this week. Like it's been a rough. Well, I heard there's a, I heard there's like a heat wave in Barcelona or so or the temperature changed really fast in Barcelona. One of my clients is there and it's, she was like, I'm dying. Yeah. So it's, it was like the heat. And then also apparently Mercury's in retrograde. I don't know what the fuck that means, but why is Mercury yeah. always like, in retrograde? Actually, yeah. It's doing <laughs> yeah. it all the time. Every time something goes wrong, someone in my life goes, Mercury's in retrograde. And I'm like, is it, is this eternal? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I I was just talking to, I was talking to a friend yesterday and I was like, Hey, like, if I don't respond to you, like, I'm just having kind of a shitty day. So uh, remind me to respond to you. If I don't, she's like, Oh, I'm having a shitty day too. And I was like, Oh, tell me what's up with you. Because maybe if I like help you out, like I'll feel less shitty, you know? And she was like, (laughs) well, you know, Mercury's in retrograde. And I was like, what? I don't, and I was like, I, that's a great explanation, I guess, but But I I, I definitely get affected by the moon. Like whenever there is a full moon and my gratitude diary, it um, tells me when there is a full moon. And whenever I see like on the next day or the next night, it's like full moon. I'm like, oh shit. And I tell Ed and he's like, oh God, because I always (laughs) just like spin out, like I can't sleep. Like I just kind of like lose my mind when there's a full moon. Like I had the worst sleep in the whole world. But I think at this point, and my mum will message me. She's like, full moon tonight. And she has this story in her head as well that she just goes crazy and she can't sleep if she if it's a full moon. And I just have a story. Like I really don't think it's true, but I just go real wacky. That's the thing so, that I was going to ask you is like, do you, is like, is it, it's like a chicken or the egg situation, right? It's like, do I, like, does this happen because of the full moon or, or does this happen anyways? And I think it's the full moon. And so, because I know that the full moon is coming, like my, my subconscious makes all these edits. I don't, I don't know. Honestly, I didn't know about the mercury retrograde thing. I was just having like one of those days and it, like, I still don't I really even be, know what it means. Yeah. I, I still don't uh, really I, get it. I'm, people say so, it and I'm just like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, like, I think of like, it as like mercury going <laughs> Mercury going like backwards in orbit. I don't know if that's true. And like, that's why... how I always think of it too. But I just, yeah, I'm like, Mercury is just like, mer- mer- like Mercury is like, someone's listening to backwards. this. You tell us about yeah, your week. Someone's listening to this and they're like, I know what it is. Okay. So, so basically, like, I haven't been sleeping well because of the heat. It's like, I have air conditioning, but I haven't figured out how to like use it. So it's not either like too cold or too hot, which is like, yes, I know, first world problems. I get it. Um, but, then it was like yesterday, it was like one thing just after another, like I double booked clients that I have never done that before in my life, where like I didn't write That's down a client meeting 
And, yeah. and it's like, obviously in a way it's a lesson because it's like, now that I've done it once, I'm never going to do it again. But it was just like, I felt so terrible. Um, and, and like uh, the client that I was already on the phone with, he is like, we've been working together for forever and he's just absolutely lovely. And is like, I, I don't think he listens to this podcast, but he's like, I just love him. He's the best. And his growth has just been so incredible. And so like every call with him is like, I always feel, leave those calls feeling amazing. So like, that was great, but I felt so terrible for this other client because she's also going through like a hard time right now. And I was like, fuck, I really want to be there for her. But like, yeah, anyways. And then it was like, I had, they had to like come fix something in my house, but like, I didn't know how long they were going to be here. So it was like someone in my space. And I, and then what else happened? It was just like, like a lot of random little things where like, I, then I had a therapy session in the afternoon and like, I got on the therapy session. I was like, I just don't know what to say to you right now. She's like, why don't you just go take a nap? And I was like, okay, fine. And then I took a nap and I was so much better. But yeah, yesterday was one of those days where in my head, I was just like, things suck. This sucks. Life sucks. And I was like, this is not me at all. I think that what's interesting there is like that your therapist said, maybe you just like, why don't you just go take a nap? And you're like, okay, I'm just going to take a nap. And then you felt better. And I think that this happens like all the time, right? Is that we, we get into these like conundrums and we kind of like spin out and there's just like emotions and like thoughts and feelings. And we're like, oh my God, I'm the worst person in the world. Or like, I suck at this. Or my body is just like a mess. And we really and just need a nap. Yeah, or we, we just really need just a glass of water, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's like, exactly. I just think it's like way more simple than we expect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I can tell you from my yeah, Googling what... um, that Mercury is in retrograde when it appears to go backwards in its orbit. It's an optical illusion and it occurs oh. multiple times a year because Mercury only takes 88 days to go around the sun. And so what is that? Like, why does it affect us? But why oh, does it I go? Ba- I, so it I mean, it doesn't, doesn't actually, actually go, go backwards. backwards. It's an optical illusion where it looks like it's going backwards. I have never oh looked God. at Mercury enough to notice um, if it's really either, walking backwards or not. Having the, conversations about it. space is like one of the most stressful things <laughs> I can engage in. It is equally fascinating to me. Like I'm just like, oh my god, I want to know everything. Like this is just so weird. Um, but it's equally stressful where I'm just like, I can't, I just, this is so big and so, so weird that it is, it feels very stressful. When you have anxiety, trying to think about the subject of space is like just (laughs) atrocious because it's like anxiety is basically like you think about one thing and then you zoom out and think about everything else like that could possibly happen in the future related to that thing and mainly worst case scenarios and so space is like already so big and then you're like oh and let me try to think about the infinite scenario and then your brain just like breaks do you guys ever have these these thoughts where you like you you start thinking about something like space or you start thinking about something like the you know relationships or like something very meta and then all of a sudden you like have this feeling of like I don't matter at all I am a speck of dust like every time I do like that's what I think like I stand look at the ocean and I'm like I'm so inssignificant look at the ocean and it's like our problems feel so big Go no. Ahead. Yeah, go okay. Ahead. <laughs> just before, just before you said that, Jillian, I was just about to say, I can't even believe that you said that. I feel like you went into my brain and you ripped out this thought, um, because Edward, uh, um, my husband, he's very, um, he's very kind of stoic, you know, and he thinks like I can this. imagine Ed and being he, extremely stoic. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and he always says to me, 
Olivia, I mean, we just speak so darts. Like that's literally what he says to me all the time. And it is the worst possible thing for anyone to say to me when I'm in like a, a very heightened emotional state to say, we just speak so darts, like none of this matters. And I'm like, but I'm still a human on the earth and it all feels really hard. And I just can't like, you know, oh man, I just find that that is just so yeah. hard. It's like, like feeling stressful. Like, it's like, ah. but it's, it's this feeling sometimes of like, of like, yes, like for example, what we do is so important to us. And like, we're helping people and we're changing people's lives. And like that feeling of like being on a conversation with a client and they have like an aha moment or something like that is like so big for us. But then if we like, occasionally it's like I go on the other side of the spectrum like it doesn't even fucking matter like none of this matters this is all bullshit like who cares if anybody loses a pound or gains a pound or like like who cares if you eat vegetables like it doesn't matter and then it's like okay but it also does I don't know if that makes any sense yeah I actually um so actually Ed and I were having this conversation yesterday because he's been going through this um he actually hired a meditation coach um, who's actually a friend of mine. She's like a spiritual meditation coach. Yeah, very interesting. So Ed has a surf coach and a meditation coach. Any other coaches that we should know about? <laughs> no, but this is, so it's been like a 30-day thing. And because um, he's quite sort of into meditation and now he does it like 20 minutes every morning. And he's very um, like, he's very much in the present like he can really get into the present he sort of can very much leave the past behind he doesn't think about the future he's very much like now and I'm not I find that really hard and we were talking about this yesterday and he's like you know I think that you would actually really benefit from this because you've done so much work over the years of like unpacking the past and understanding the past and you've also you're also pretty good at like the way that you think about the future as well but you just are not very good at being present and I think that that is so true it's like the thing that I struggle with the most is actually even though I talk about this and I teach this stuff all the time is actually truly acceptance which is being in the present and it's something I find so hard because it's like ah. Uh, like I know this and I understand that the the way to move out of suffering for whatever is going on in your life like the way to move out of suffering is to to be in the present and to be accepting but why is this still so challenging and I think what comes up for me is that it's it's a constant tussle of like I know what is true but I also still have these other things that are like telling me that something's true that I know isn't true, like future thinking or past thinking or something like that. Do you guys know what I mean? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's also one of those things that it's like part of just being 100% in the present is, is recognizing that like the future may never happen and the past doesn't mm-hmm. exist. And that I think is stressful yeah. because of like things like memory and expectation. Right. And so it's like when we, we have memory and we like to live in this memory of like this thing that was or thing that it, because that I think is also an ego. It's also an ego thing. It's like you, we can live in the memory of like, you know, going back to like the whole thing with clients is like, I can live in the memory of like having this amazing client session with someone yesterday. And that is, brings a sense of ego of like, oh, I did, you know, I did something good as a coach for someone else. But then there's this future thing of like this fear of like, oh my gosh, but I could still like fuck up in the future. But like in the present, I haven't done either. Like in the present, I, I am neither a good coach nor a bad coach. I just am in this moment. And that mm-hmm. I think is really is is really stressful because it's like, 
really in the moment, like I am only this thing that I am in this present moment, like right in this moment, I am a podcaster, right? Like I'm not, a co- I'm not anything else but that. But at the same time, I am all these other things, which, uh, yeah. This is, but this yeah. is also like this anxiety in itself um, is a is basically being stuck in the future, right? And this is um, yeah. something that, so that's something that I've had to work on like a very significant amount over the last few years is like noticing when I am stuck in, in the future because it's something that happens to me very often. And anytime where I have like a wave of anxiety, if I if I notice that, instead of reacting to it, which we talk about a lot, right? Like the, the pause respond rather than just react. If I look at where those emotions have come from, it's, it's never to do with the present. It's always to do with like a, an uncertainty or an expectation of what might happen. And if I am able to like return myself to like actually now, it, when you're, even when you're in the moment of, of, a, of an event that's really stressful or it is your worst fear or whatever, in the moment of it occurring, you're not actually afraid because you're too busy dealing with the thing. So being able to notice that like future spiral and then bring myself back to the present has been something that's really valuable. And it's something I talk about tons with clients, especially around emotional eating, because I find it almost like when we when we get them to journal about it and they look at what their thoughts were in that moment, it's never actually to do with them right there. It's always to do Absolutely. with... A, fear of something of like this action is going to have some kind of repercussion or someone in the future might say something to like it's all it's never now and so that ability to come back to the present I think is really valuable yeah meditation helped me a lot with that actually meditation and breath work both yeah totally and I I find that um because I do meditation each morning as well and like the sense of freedom like I feel this every single day it's always like okay, I really just want to start work. Like, do I have time for this? And it's like, every time I do it, I'm just like, holy smokes, the sense of freedom that you have when you completely allow yourself. And this is like what we talk about a lot, right? Is I think this comes into it is like truly allowing yourself to rest, like allowing your brain to actually rest and allowing your space to rest for like, 10 minutes in the morning and the freedom that can come from that. And like that whole idea of like being in the present, it's such a skill. It is such a skill that you just have to work on all the time. But I think that when you can get to, and this is how I feel is like, I'm very, very good at observing myself. So when things come up, like you're talking about Holly, like those emotions and thoughts, like now I can see these things and I I never act on them. And that's the difference, right? It's like, observing these thoughts and feeling these hard things and like welcoming welcoming them in but the difference is if you act on them or not and that's going to take you towards or away from the person that you want to be and the life that you want to live and the value system that you have exactly it takes time it takes time to build that skill I think and I think a lot of people get part way they get to the point where they start to be able to notice um thoughts but then they don't stay with that learning process long enough to then go into I can notice my thoughts and then decide whether or not to act on them I think people go I should be able to notice and immediately be able to control whether or not I act yeah that's it's not the case it's not gonna be the case at the beginning at the beginning you're going to learn to notice and still react and like that needs to be a stage that you go through to reach the stage of now I can notice and decide whether or not to react and I think I think it's the Andy Andy Puddicombe who Mm. said this but he he talks about like imagining the your mind as like a, a blue sky, right? And whether or not there's clouds, there blue the blue sky still exists. 
and then kind of learning to notice thoughts like you'd look at clouds like if you sit down like right now outside is, is I can't even see blue there's no blue it's really cloudy because it's going to rain um but if I was to sit here for long enough eventually that blue sky will come back you know and so learning to be like all right cool I can look at this thought I can explore it I can look at what shape it is like I can do a lot with this but I, I don't have to like let the fact that it's cloudy now change my entire plans for the day yeah. And I think that the, that what that comes down to also is something that I, I tell people, I talk to people a lot about, and I talk to myself a lot about this too, is that you are not your thoughts. Like you have thoughts. And I think that that is something where it's like, we, you know, one, one of the things that I've, I've started to, to talk a lot in my groups about is like this, this change, just changing the language around the way that we talk about our thoughts and the way that we think about our thoughts in our own head, because there's like, for example, um, like I'm fat versus I feel fat, like that immediately changes the way that we feel about our, our feelings. And I think also the other thing, and I was just talking about this in a, in a clubhouse room yesterday is like understanding that, that when emotions come up, like they're just information. And that's is something that personally I've been working on a lot is like, being like, oh, I have this emotion, like this is information. And so thinking about it almost like I have information, like this is a signal that's coming to me saying that like I'm stressed or I'm sad or I'm frustrated or whatever. Like instead of, and, and a lot of the time things like emotional eating or what we would say is like quote unquote self-sabotage, whatever it is, we feel like that is running away from that emotion. Like I wanna distance myself from this uncomfortable emotion. And I apologize, you guys, I'm using my hands a lot right now. You can't see it. Um, but like dis trying to distance yourself from that emotion. So it's like you feel stressed or sad. And so you distance yourself from it by like trying to find comfort in like a cookie or chocolate or whatever. And, but unfortunately it's like a circle cause it always comes back around and the emotion is still there. And so the difference is like recognizing the emotion seeing it as information and turning and facing that and being like, okay, what is it trying to tell me? Like if I'm feeling sad or if I'm feeling frustrated or if I'm feeling stressed like what is that information that I'm getting from that emotion? And then like you said, Holly making the decision and it's obviously it takes a long time to practice this and it's being very persistent over time but like using that information to 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 say like okay I now have this information I can make a decision instead of have a reaction and I think that that is kind of the goal that we want to get to yeah and I think that um and that's also like you know having emotions having thoughts is also like feeling sensations in your body as well right like if you're feeling pain or if you're feeling like bloated or something like that then that's also information as well that's like telling you something it's like a knock on the door right or your body's like ringing the doorbell saying hey something's going on but I think further to what you said Gillian where you said you know I am fat or I feel fat that fat isn't a feeling, right? It's like feeling fat is not an emotion. It's like, but um, something that I've been talking a lot to um, my group about recently is, is changing that even more to be saying, I'm having the thought that I am fat. Like I'm having the thought that. Yeah. And I, I find that really useful for myself. You know, if I'm, and I actually messaged Holly yesterday and I was like, I'm having a really bad body image day. <laughs> I was struggling um and I say that to myself you know I'm having the thought that because that is that creates that space that we're talking about right is it allows you to defuse from those emotions and those thoughts and to unhook yourself from them because it's exactly. when you fuse with them that's the problem and um a really cool technique as well that I teach is 
um, which is quite com common in like compassion sort of um, acceptance therapy is called surfing the urge when you you know feel these things and you you know recognize the emotions you recognize the thoughts but you stay with it right and you let that wave go so it's like you just kind of like surf the wave of that and then you come out the other side and we can even think about that if it's like stress eating or emotional eating yeah when you're getting that desire to do that it's like okay cool like I just need to surf the urge right now even if you're like in the middle of like a stressful task and it's like I want to eat to distract myself from this it's like cool I'm having the thought that I want to eat to distract myself from this I'm just going to surf this urge knowing that that wave is going to come down um, and I can move on from here yeah, yeah I talk about the surfing surfing the urge a lot with my clients as well I don't there was one time I was talking to a client about it and she actually had once almost drowned in the ocean um <laughs> no no but but what she as I was describing it what she said was yeah this one time I did I almost drowned in the ocean but what saved me was when I stopped trying to flail mm. against the water and and did just like flow with it and then I ended up kind of being spat oh, yes. back out and it was fine and she was like that clicked so well for her because she was like oh my god yes like I've literally experienced that in real life in the water and I was like oh my god like what a great metaphor um but yeah so I wanted cool. I wanted to move into our topic for today and maybe we can lead into that with what we were just talking about with the I feel fat side of things and before we moved on from there I just wanted to touch on like for many of my clients who are in larger bodies it's very frustrating to them when people say fat's not an emotion you can't feel fat it's very frustrating for them because they're like no literally that is how I feel like this for me yeah. is an emotion and so I find it very helpful there to be like you know what it is like for however you've decided to like perceptually like tie together this bundle of emotions and define it like cool that that is true for you so like you do feel fat in this moment but then like stopping to unpick all the things that that means, like not say like, it's true for you. Like no one can say that it, you don't feel fat. Like, sure. Like that's an emotion that you feel, but yes, like taking the time to, to look at all the layers. It's like an onion, right? That, that emotion is like an onion and looking at all the layers that are inside, I think it's really important. Um, and so I just want to start from there because today we're going to be talking about unintentional weight gain. So last week we talked a lot about intentional weight gain and all three of us have been through uh, probably what like a year two years three years plus of intentional weight gain in the process of healing our hormones but a lot of people and a lot of our clients are also either going through or have gone through a period of unintentional weight gain and I think this is something a lot of people can relate to with like COVID and lockdown stuff going on and so I think it's a really important topic to tackle now as things start to reopen, because I shared a post yesterday and it was so accurate that, you know, it's true that diet culture is coming for your post-lockdown bodies. Like that oh, is- Oh yeah, I saw that. that. Is, yeah, yeah that, is, uh, that is about to, well, it's already starting, but it's about to be rife. Like there's about to be so much discussion of post-lockdown bodies and all this unintentional weight gain. And so I think this topic's really important for us to talk about. And therefore I want to frame that with that thing of like, if you feel fat right now, that is valid. But like today we're going to go through what, what does that mean? Like, what does that emotion mean? And yeah, I think maybe even already taking that step with yourself of going, I'm having the thought that I am fat or whatever else, but yeah, let's start peeling back some layers. 
Yeah. And I think that with unintentional weight gain, there is generally this feeling of a lack of control, which is like, we talk about this a lot, right? That it's like, when you feel like you're out of control, it's that feeling of like, like you just talked about with your client of like trying to scrabble in the water, right? Like trying to like flail about and like grab onto whatever holding that you can in order to like regain a feeling of control. And I think that this is something that I hear so much from the women in my group and, and the, the women and men that I work with one-on-one is this feeling of like, I don't know what's going on with my body. I feel out of control where it's like, there's almost like the separation of like on one side, they're like, something is going on. But on the other side is like, I don't know what that is. And that makes me feel really uncomfortable. And then when those two things are sort of, those two things exist, it's like, I'm going to grab onto whatever I can that makes me feel a semblance of safety. And unfortunately, in many cases, that can be those things like, uh, like, V shred or like 75 hard or like whatever challenges or products are out there that can give a, uh, what's what appears to be a quick solution to that feeling of lack of control. And I think that we like to pinpoint, like we like to point the finger as like, this is, this is why you're out of control with your body and diet culture, unfortunately is, it talks a lot about like, like willpower, discipline, trying harder, you know, being, um, being more dedicated. And it's like, that is not like your lack of dedication, your lack of willpower, your lack of self-control are not the factors that are leading to your unintentional weight gain, even though that's what you may be feeling like you're being told. Yeah. And there's so many other things that can be out of control in life. Like, I mean, if we're talking about COVID, there's so much that you can't control when you're being told to like stay at home when there is a pandemic you can't control that when your work situation is has completely changed like your children's school situation has completely changed like there's so many things that are out of your control and so often we look to our body as like the thing to blame and the things that are in our control we think that like our body is a thing that's in control or we can control nutrition or we can control exercise. And so often, often we really hone in on this. And I think that, you know, Holly, what, uh, what you're saying about that, that feeling of like fat is not a feeling. Like I totally agree with you that that can be packaged up in some way, but, but when we are ready for it is like, same with this control thing. It's like, okay, what are you actually feeling out of control with? Because your body has kind of like done this thing and that is just a byproduct of what has been going on. But how is that actually making you feel? And that is that unpacking thing of like, you know, we've talked about the emotions wheel before. And I know it's something that I use a lot. I think yeah, you guys maybe do yeah, as well. Same. Yeah, is to identify it. It's like, okay, cool. Like I'm actually feeling really anxious right now. Um, and a lot of that can manifest in our body because it's the thing that we blame for everything or we put everything onto and try and control nutrition and exercise with. Yeah, and I th- I feel like the reason that it's extra hard when it comes to weight gain is not only do we have that feeling of being out of control, but there's also this societal association of weight gain with laziness or like a lack of morality or like a lack of some desirable personality trait that we don't have. And so that feeling paired together with feeling out of control I think that compounds and that's why weight gain feels especially um, hard and especially challenging. 
Yeah. And I think that specifically, like there's a lot of different factors that may be, that may lead to an unintentional, like unintentionally gaining weight. Like there's some really simple ones, like you may be eating more than you used to or moving less than you used to and not realized it. Um, the one that a lot of people like to point the finger at now is hormones. It's always hormones, this and hormones that, and like, yeah, that may oh, be a factor. Man. It may be, but like, it's usually, and here's the thing is like, it's usually not one thing, right? It's not like this one thing happened and all of a sudden, like you feel like your pants are too tight. It's like a combination of like various layers of factors. And so just to kind of like be very specific, like you may be eating more than you, than you were before. You may be moving less than you were before. Um, you may be going through a more stressful time. You may be at, you know, maybe you're a woman that, you are going through perimenopause or menopause. You may be, you be may be more stressed than normal. You may be sleeping less than normal. Um, you may be not necessarily eating more, but eating different foods in a different context. Um, and all of these things. Also, you may have like your social life may have switched, have changed. Like especially as we're moving towards like more of a quote unquote regular social life in many parts of the world, even though other parts of the world are not, is like you may notice that now, especially as summer is coming, like you're going out, maybe you're drinking more often. Maybe you are eating less meals at home. And so all of these like very specific factors may or may not be contributing to unintentional weight gain. So instead of looking at it and just pinpointing me like, it's my hormones or uh, like, oh, I must be overeating all the time. Like it's probably a combination of a few of those. Um, and we're going to go into like the mental side, but we'll also go into like, how can we manage this in a way that isn't going to be one of these like super fast, like challenges that like is probably just going to have a rebound effect anyways, which we know is bad for our physical and mental health. And it's so hard. Like it's so hard to not do that, like not look for that quick fix and that like super fast wanting to change things. And it's so hard to kind of think, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this has changed. And yeah, I guess I have been, you know, doing this a little bit differently. That's like a self-compassion so piece. Yeah, I mean, it's so difficult though, isn't it? When literally everything around you is saying to you, you're fucking it up, you know? It's so hard to just be like, oh, it's all good. Cause I actually, you know, it's summer, I've just been having a few more beers or, oh yeah, I mean, it's COVID. So I actually haven't been moving as much, but it's like, I haven't been moving as much. Like this is, I'm, I'm a really big problem because everything around us is saying, like social media is saying, like, like if people are talking, like your social groups, your like friends are talking, like fat talk and um, saying things about their own body, and so all of that, all of that conditioning and all of that just like seeps into us, and so it's so difficult to push against that and to have compassion, you know, when it just feels so heavy and so hard. Yeah, and I, I mean, but we also want to recognize that it's like. Yeah, like if you're unintentionally gaining weight, like it's okay that that feels uncomfortable and that that feels bad and that feels weird because it's also like we as humans like to be able to categorize things. We like to be able to explain things. And when you are unintentionally gaining weight and you don't necessarily understand why, and maybe after we kind of talked about these different factors, maybe you you are able to kind of think about that in a more like rational way because it is there is like the rational versus the emotional, right? Because the emotional side is this like what Holly was saying is like gaining weight is quote unquote bad. Like I am, you know, 
I'm not as disciplined or I don't have as good of willpower. Like I just need better self-control. And so it's this, this emotional of like, I'm not doing a good thing, but then there's the rational of like, oh, okay. These things have changed. This is what's happening with my body. Okay. Now that I, that I have this information, like, what do I do? But at the same time, it's like my, like the way that I view myself is, is changing both literally because in the mirror I see differences but also emotionally because I don't see myself in the positive light that I maybe did when my body wasn't changing and so there's a lot of like mental processing to go through there that can be real difficult and some of that processing has to be why do I why am I so afraid of gaining weight in the first place like some of it has to be that because yeah. because a very valid choice it like later on we're going to talk about like things you could do to potentially s- slow down this process or change the direction of this process but like a very valid choice there is also to decide not to change your body anymore you could go okay cool actually I would like to accept this weight gain like this is a choice that you have available to you and you could make and if you're looking at the other parts of your life and saying actually at the moment like the way I'm eating, yeah, it's changed or like the way I'm moving has changed um, or like I'm eating out more than usual or whatever. If if that's because at this time in your life that works better for you and you know that, like you can very badly choose to just stay where you're at. And if the only reason that you're panicking about it or you're feeling like you have to change um, in a smaller body direction is because you're worried about what other people are going to say, then all right, maybe you don't need to. Yeah, I think that a, a big part of it too is um, is I think that the like the like clothing side um, because that is a physical reminder a lot of the time of oh my gosh my body is changing and that feeds into you know when we look at this it's like it's all very holistic like Holly said is if you're going out and eating you know you're eating out more often but that feels really good because it's a connection with the people in your life and that's something that maybe you've been lacking or even you haven't been lacking but it's just an important thing for you then like then we want to look at like if that connection is weighing on your mind heavily because you feel like it's contributing to weight gain. Like it's important to identify like, okay, what are my, like we talk about the, the, I know you guys, you're sick of hearing us talk about values, but it's so important because if like, and I go back to connection because connection for so many of us is a value is like, if connection is one of your values and you are feeling that like, you go out to eat and you're so worried about overeating that you don't even connect with the people that you're eating with because you're so focused on like, oh my gosh, don't eat this. You're not supposed to eat this. Oh, you ate too much. Don't order dessert. And these are thoughts that like, I've talked to my clients about this that come up a lot where it's like, instead of enjoying the atmosphere in which you are connecting with other people, you're so worried about the impact of this outing, whether it's the alcohol or the food, you're so worried about the impact that that's going to have on your body that it's like, you end up lacking connection because, because you're so worried about this other thing. Yeah. And I think, um, like a really simple question to ask yourself with this, like if we're thinking about weight gain and if the default is, oh my gosh, um, I, you know, I just feel gross or my clothes or, you know, thinking about your body, like a simple question to ask, like further to that is, do I feel well, you know, um, And that's where so often it can get quite complicated. You know, if it has been 
um, a situation where it is a bit of unintentional weight gain, um, then it's like, do I feel well? Because a lot of the time it's just, it is just lifestyle habits that are reflected in these things if we're pulling it back really simplistically. And so do I feel well that I'm not sleeping? You know, do I feel well that I'm having wine every night? Like, does that make me feel well? And you know, do I feel well if I'm eating this thing? And I think that something that I actually encourage my clients to do is to create this like manifesto for themselves of what makes them feel well. Because, and this is where it's so gray, right? It's like, well, raw broccoli does not make me feel good. Raw broccoli makes me feel terrible, but cooked broccoli makes me feel good. You know, um, yogurt is fine it makes me feel physically fine but ice cream it doesn't make me feel physically well and so I think that when we can start to kind of understand what well feeling good like physically feeling well means for us we can have a little bit more clarity with that and it's like you know what you were saying Gillian is that that kind of like black and white thing of like okay do I still go out and like have the social connection or like do I freak out about it or not it's like you can actually have both when you actually know what feels well for you like you can go out and have social connection and stuff like that over food but you also don't need to eat the things that don't make you feel good or you could have one drink instead of five you know there's nothing I mean, I think that when you're very clear on that, and I guess that comes down to like, how do you actually want to feel in your life each day, then you can start to create this manifesto for yourself um, as a way to make very, very simple changes without it being too drastic. And I think that wellness manifesto part is, is really key to have. I think that's one of the first things that you should do for yourself in that moment. If, if you have that moment of realization where you go, oh God, like, unintentional weight gain I feel the need to take an action I think that that is a really good direction to go into rather than falling into restriction brain right and and so like your first instinct will be some kind of compensation or restriction or googling what's the best diet to lose 10 pounds in the next month um or like oh god like I should go join a gym in order to get rid of this or like I need to start working out five times a week instead of three times a week like those are the thoughts that tend to go through our head I would which by the way I would also just get them out like I often encourage my clients to write them down like just take them out of your head because otherwise a part of you is going to go let me just store these here so that I don't forget because like I might need to come back to these so I'm like let's just write them down so they're out like they're out in the open. They're not like secret, shameful restriction thoughts you're having. Just put them down and then write down like, okay, on my ideal day, how do I feel? What are the things that make me feel that way? All right, cool. Let's start working towards those instead of jumping into the restriction behaviors. And I think like from there, there were, there were things that we wanted to talk about in relation to like, what, what do I do now? So like once we've written down that list of like, okay, here were, my, here were my tendencies. Here was the restriction brain talking. Here's the way I actually want to feel. Here are the behaviors that make me feel that way. How do, the, how do we then work towards those? Like, how do we work towards those with food? How do we work towards those with mindset? And how do we work towards those with training? 
Yeah. And I think that, you know, we have kind of written down, we do, we do a little outline for you guys when we do our, when we do our podcast, so we don't get too off on tangents. Cause if you haven't met us, we're a little bit tangenty sometimes, um, except for Holly, Base. Holly is Retro not tangenty. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. Olivia, Olivia and Jillian are on the tangenty side. Luckily we have Holly to like hold that shit down. Um, <laughs> but so it's we passion. have it down. It's passion. Yeah, it happy, is. Happy it to is. be the, the anchor of the, yeah. <laughs> We, we need you, yeah. Holly. We need you. you guys down into the depths. No, no, we need you <laughs> desperately. And so we have written down here, like, and unintentional leads into like intention, like unintentional kind of arrow intention. And I think that unintentional is like, unintentional is a lack of awareness, right? It's something is happening and you're not fully conscious of like the different factors involved or exactly what's happening. It's like all of a sudden, you know, it's like you wake up from a dream and you're like, where am I? right? Like, how did I get here? And intention is then taking that and turning it into awareness, bringing awareness to what is going on. And I think so many times we jump from unawareness into action, right? And so this is like, you know, we, we go from like, oh my gosh, like I am unaware, for example, with emotional eating, like I'm unaware of my emotions, but I know that something's going on and it makes me feel uncomfortable. I'm going to jump immediately to eating or, you know, uh, or, or restricting, right? Goes yeah, or restricting. To go one of the two ways. Exactly. Into, into like binging or restricting. And so we want to add the awareness portion because awareness is kind of like the planning phase. Awareness is like, hey, like I'm going to gather all this information and understand what's happening. And, and this is, it's also kind of a delicate balance because sometimes when you are looking to make changes, there's a lot of time spent in the planning phase, a lot of time spent gathering information and looking for like the perfect action. And so we want to find this delicate balance between like having enough information to take action instead of just reacting, but also not gathering too much information without doing something. Because a lot of the time when we just take action, we can kind of fix whatever action that is kind of throughout the process. But I think that this is where like gathering metrics can be really, really helpful. And this doesn't, like, I think there's a few ways to do this. Like you can either gather metrics over a long period of time, or you can sit down with yourself and kind of review, like what's been going on in my life recently. And so they're, you know, kind of looking at the different ways to gather metrics is like, what are, what do we want to look at as far as biofeedback? So that's like, what's actually happening with our body, but also we want to look at like, what is happening in our both emotional and, and like in personal lives. And so looking at like, there's a couple different ways to track metrics. I'm not going to go too deep into that, but I think that when we're looking at like gathering information is looking at things like, how am I sleeping recently uh, or lately? Um, what is my stress? What are my stress levels like, especially like with work, home life, whatever that is? Um, what are my what's my digestion like? Am I having any digestive issues? Am I pooping regularly? Um, am I am I hydrated? Like when I look at my pee, what color is my pee? Things like that um, can be really helpful for just gathering awareness of some of the biofeedback side. Um, and then we also want to look at a little bit of the like, like practical, like everyday stuff. Like, I'm going to let, actually, I'm going to let you guys go into this because otherwise I'm going to end up going on and on and on. But um, when we're looking at like tracking other stuff, like how do we want to do that? Yeah. I mean, we can, I can start off with tracking food, right? Um, that's something that I talk to people about a lot. And I think that's important to talk about because for a lot of people, when they realize that in this moment of unintentional weight gain, there's, there's also like a part of them that's like a, an immediate reaction there is some kind of shame of being like oh I didn't realize like oh I was unaware when you realize you were unaware and you get into that stage of awareness 
a little bit of you goes and you should oh, all like over how could I not have been like, aware I should yeah. have known right and so Panic. and so through it yeah yes and so the result of that is often to want to start controlling food in the most stringent way possible and so a lot of people I, I do work with clients a lot with macros and with counting macros and that kind of thing a lot of people come to me when they've had this a realization of unintentional weight gain and go I clearly need to track macros and track all my food really carefully and sometimes that isn't the answer sometimes that isn't what you need to do sometimes what you need to do first is to to gain a, a sort of more relaxed level of awareness rather than jumping straight into that level of stringent tracking if you're treating that level of stringent tracking as a form of restriction and so for some of those clients, what we start off with might just be taking photos of their food because so many of my clients, even just by taking photos, they then go, oh, wow, like my meals, I want them to be more colorful now purely because I'm taking a photo, even if it's only for myself. Now I'm aware of like eating three actual meals during the day, whereas before I realized that I was like unintentionally grazing a lot of the day and therefore not having full meals or just like having awareness of like okay cool I've got six squares on this app that I'm using so I'm going to try and have like three meals and three snacks maximum whereas before I might have been like I don't even know how many snacks I was having it was kind of just like the unawareness piece right um and so that's that's a way that I start with a lot of people and by the way it's also where I go with a lot of people who are coming to me with a background of tracking where their relationship with tracking is unhealthy it's gonna be a great direction to go also just writing stuff down like if you don't like having your phone out, like I have certain clients who don't like to have their phones around at meals. Cool. I love that. You know, like be in the moment. Yeah. We just write it down on a piece of paper, like in a, in a journal for yourself. Like that works really well also for the same reason, right. Of building awareness and being like, Oh, like I need to write this thing down. Like, do I still want to eat it? Sometimes that pause is long enough to be like, Oh, I was just going to randomly eat this thing. Cause it was here. Don't actually need to do that. So I think around food, those can work pretty well and for some people we do food plus emotion journal together like how are you feeling what are you eating how are you feeling what are you eating how are you feeling what are you eating and that can work really well too yeah and and I think that this is I mean this is something that I, I spend so much time working with my clients on is building that awareness piece like that is like the main bulk of of what I do with them is building awareness around what are you doing now how where do you want that to take you and also like the awareness piece is, is gaining information because it's not just information about what you're doing, but it's information about why you're doing it. And so why you're doing it is, is like Holly said, like understanding emotions, but why you're doing it is like, why does my body need protein? Why does my body need carbohydrates? Why does my body need fats? And understanding those things in the context of like, okay, I'm going to sit down and eat this meal. And afterwards, how do I feel? Do I feel satisfied? Do I feel over full? Do I still feel hungry? How long is this meal satisfying me for? All of these things, like at first you might be like, if you've never done this before, you might be thinking like, oh my God, that's a lot to think about. But like anything that you are good at now, at the beginning, it maybe seemed like a lot and maybe seemed a little bit confusing, but you start recognizing, and this is one of the things um, that, that I noticed the most with my clients is understanding that when they actually create space for awareness in their eating habits, 
they find that they are much more satisfied with the meals that they have, because especially, you know, especially if you're a busy person and, and part of unintentional weekend, a lot of the time is just like life got really busy and I didn't have time or space to worry about these things anymore. And it's like shifting that thought pattern from like, I don't need to worry about it, but I do need to pay attention to it. Because there's a big difference between worry and stressing yourself out about, oh my gosh, am I eating too much? And just paying attention to, huh, did I eat an amount that feels good in my body? Or did I eat an amount that like, I'm now feeling stuffed and I feel like I need to go take a nap. Like that, like even that simple change of going from eating until stuffed to eating until satisfied can be the difference between unintentional weight gain and easy weight maintenance. Yeah, there's so much power in understanding your triggers. And I think that, you know, talking about nutrition, this can also be true for any other pacifier that we're using as adults, you know, whether that be alcohol, or whether that be um, staying up later, you know, watching Netflix and not going to bed because we know how impactful sleep is with like appetite and hunger and stuff like that. Um, and so understanding the triggers means that you don't have the stress of I need to control my snacking and this is something that I had a client um, was saying to me yes, uh, last week my snacking is out of control I need to control my snacking it's like nah like we just need to understand like why that's actually happening and so it was a process of understanding her triggers you know um, and so when we got to it it was like she was just stress like she just wanted a distraction from her work and so she would always go down to the kitchen to get a snack and we found out that that was a trigger and like deeper than that it was this emotion of like just feeling very anxious about her work and so it was like okay so what do you actually need right now and I think that that is kind of like a higher level and that's like a a much deeper thing and it does take work and I think that that's I mean, that's the beauty of coaching is to help you kind of understand those things and like truly understand your triggers. When you do take the time to do that work, we can take away that kind of um, like panic and drama of, oh my gosh, everything needs to change right now. But it's like, okay, where is this coming from? Yeah. And I want to, I want to give just some really simple mindful eating habits that I think can be really helpful for anyone, whether you are tracking macros, whether you're not, whether you, you know, you're, you're building awareness or you have awareness. Like this is, this is kind of a really great basis to start bringing more awareness to how and what you eat and, and how and what you eat is not the only factor in unintentional weight gain by any means. And, and we'll talk about like the other metrics that you can track, like for example, when we talked about sleep, training, um, like Olivia will let, will let you dig into the training piece for us. But as far as mindful eating habits is, is one really, really big one is just paying attention when you eat. And that means like if you normally eat watching TV or eat in front of your computer or eat um, you know, with your phone in front of you, like just remove that and put yourself in a place where like you can actually pay attention to what's on your plate because that in itself is going to give you a lot more awareness of, of how much and how you're eating. Um, another simple habit is to just put your fork down in between bites. And so if you have food in your mouth, your hands should be free. Um, chewing, chewing each bite a, you know, a, a significant amount, um, when I say significant anywhere between kind of 20 and 30 chews, obviously if you're drinking soup, you're not going to try to chew soup. I've had people be like, but what about soup? What about bananas? Like 
just the idea is, is that you're chewing your food to a pace. You're not like putting it in your mouth, chomping twice and then swallowing it. And then, and then also one thing that I, I work on with a lot of clients, especially ones that, that feel a bit busy and they feel like some of these things are a bit overwhelming at the moment is just taking a pause before you sit down and eat. Like I've seen a lot of individuals and, and I used to do this myself is I'm sitting down at the table. And even as I'm sitting down, I'm already like picking up my fork to take a bite. It's like that, like slide into the seat, pick up the fork and, and giving yourself just even, you know, one to two breaths, um, before you start eating can kind of bring you to more to that present space that we actually were talking about at the beginning of like actually being in the present. Um, so I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole, but those are just some really simple mindful eating habits that, that can be useful for you. And, oh, and the very last one that is super, super important is just starting to feel what hunger feels like in your body, like understanding and, 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 and feeling like, oh, this is what my body feels like when it's physically hungry. This is what my body feels like when it's physically satisfied and actually acknowledging that feeling rather than just like kind of taking it for granted. Everything. Yes. I, I think that, um, the, mindful eating is it sounds beautiful and it sounds so great um and I this is something that I teach as well but it's also very very challenging right yeah. it's like when you've been for a long time if you are used to looking at your phone while you're eating or um I actually did this before I had an English muffin I took a bite and then I sat down and I ate it and I was like damn it I've already eaten like half of it and now I can only enjoy the other half you know but Something that I do think is kind of like a nice bridge with that, that I sometimes encourage people to do is if it's too hard to go from like sitting at a table with no distraction at all, like no TV, no phone, no anything, it's like listen to an audio book, listen to a podcast or something like that, and where you can eat with people, and obviously there are many people that are um, living alone or with COVID, not able to eat with people and stuff like that, even a meal, like if you're having dinner to dial in with a friend and like eat so that you can be actually putting your fork down and um, engaging in conversation. I think um, that's quite a fun way to do it as well. Obviously you can't do that every day, but some other things to kind of like bridge the gap to go from doing all the things while you eat to then do nothing can be quite a challenge. So I completely agree with you that it is a challenge. However, I'm going to like be a little bit controversial maybe here because personally, I, I what I found is that eating with other people is just another way to sort of like fill the noise. And while it is a different type of noise, like a lot of the time what I'll recommend and, and obviously everybody's different. And so there's definitely people that that's going to work for. But what I find is that when you're used to eating in a non-mindful way, sort of replacing that with people is that you end up focusing on the conversation and people will be eating kind of like as they're focusing on the conversation. And, and so that, as you're listening to this, like there's no right answer. I'm just speaking kind of from my experience um, Olivia speaking from her experience, like there is no one right answer here. One of the things I, I like to, re to recommend to people is like, cut, break this into chunks. Like if you're like, I don't know if I can go an entire meal without having my phone, like try going the first 60 seconds or the first five bites, 
or something like that and then work up that way because it, it, and maybe this is also different like I work with a lot of expat clients here in Spain um, and and eating like eating in, in groups is a big one and I find that when people are eating in groups that actually ends up we end up becoming less aware of what we're eating for a couple reasons one is especially sharing plates we we try to like get all the food that we can because we don't want other people to eat our food um and and yeah and so like one of the things i recommend is like get your own plate and put your portions on your plate and that way you don't need to feel that anxiety of like oh my gosh this person is going to eat all of my my portion um and then also is is being and this goes along with what you're saying olivia is like being very conscious of like if someone else is talking i give them my attention and if some and if someone else is not talking that's when i can pick up my knife and fork and i think that that like the connection piece we were talking earlier can be really powerful because it strengthens your connection with the people that you're talking to because you're not trying to half do one thing half do another thing but it also strengthens your connection of like i'm going to take a pause from what i'm eating focus on that and then go back to to the connection piece so that's kind of like another another way to look at it sorry i didn't want to go to go too far down that rabbit hole because you guys know i can go on forever about mindful eating holly oh yeah i was just gonna off. say it's just it's just <laughs> different you need a different set of mindful eating practices for solo versus in a group yeah um totally. but to start off with i think for a lot of mindful eating practices practicing them alone or in your own environment is it's the same as anything that we talk about practicing it alone or in your own environment is easier at first because it's familiar and you're more in control of that environment and then you can like take your skills out into the world but i i know that we wanted to touch also on training because i think that one of the other things that will come up for a lot of people with intentional uh, sorry unintentional weight gain besides the feeling of wanting to do some make some changes around how they eat and what they eat is also like how they're moving their body um, and I think for a lot of people, the tendency would be to jump into something like an F45 challenge or uh, some kind of 75 hard like workout twice a day BS. Yeah. And so Olivia's Olivia, like, oh God. Yeah, <laughs> as Olivia rubs her forehead in dismay, I'd like to hear from hear from you on um, how you talk this through with clients who are coming. Because I'm sure you must have a lot of people coming to you with the idea of my body has changed. Fix me. You know what, before we got on our podcast today, I just got an off a call with a new client and she's actually like an ex-athlete and she's been trying to bridge this gap um, between being an athlete and then like, you know, just exercising. But she hasn't been exercising like the last year. And so she feels very, like what we've been talking about, like out of control in her body. And I said to her, okay, what is actually realistic for you right now with like, the time that you want to put towards starting intentional training again. She's like, she's like every day. And I'm like, okay, let's, okay. Like what is actually realistic here, you know? Um, and exactly that. And I think that I just wrote down on, on, a, on our notes that this is this like classic example of the Dunning-Kruger effect, right? Um, and this goes for nutrition as well. When we're like, okay, so we, we've got this awareness that, you know, something has happened here. And then we're kind of like, okay, now we're in like panic mode. It's like, okay, quick, like I need to do something. Cool. F45 challenge. Amazing. This is going to be amazing. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do it perfectly. And they tell me that this is going to happen after I do these things. Okay, cool. Like in four weeks, I'm going to be sorted. I'm going to be great. I'm going to work out every day. I'm going to do this and this and this. 
And it's like, it's just not true. And this, when we're aware of the Dunning-Kruger effect, I think that we can stop ourselves from that because what that is, is thinking that everything's going to be amazing but we forget that there are so many roadblocks along the way that's going to knock us down from this like mountain that we think that we are climbing to, you know, this peak. Um, and then what happens is that we just kind of like give up because it's like, holy smokes, this isn't, this is too hard and this isn't going the way that I wanted to. So what's the point? And so with exercise, it is always about, okay, what is the lowest hanging fruit? Because, there's also the science of exercise as well, right? Is that, and this is the problem with these challenges, is that people go too hard, too fast, and there can be injury and there can be burnout because there hasn't been space and time for the adaptation process. And how this works, if we think of like a, um, if we think of a light bulb, and if you think of a, a light bulb that is kind of like, shining not very bright it's quite dim and then another light bulb that's shining a bit brighter another light bulb that's like a little bit brighter a little bit brighter and then there's a light bulb that's like super 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 bright and this is the process of this is what we want to go through right we want to get to a point where we are we have the ability to light up our light bulb like super 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 bright and we only can do that and that is us being able to do things like to be able to express like true fitness and true strength and stuff like that but when we are not allowing for this process and this like adaptation process like doing these 30-day challenges and stuff like that we go into it like full ball we never allow our light bulb to actually brighten and so we just like burn out we get to the end of the 30 days and we're like oh my gosh now what and our body hasn't had the opportunity to actually get used to what we're doing and actually build foundation of you know capacity and strength and stuff like that and so then we're just like uh okay I don't know what to do now you know and so going back to that it's like yeah I mean what is the lowest hanging fruit and honestly for most people it is just about getting more movement and that being the unintentional thing so it doesn't even need to be about doing more training sessions I mean if you are going to the gym you don't need to do more workouts it's just like how are you actually doing your workouts and it might be that you add in you know 30 minutes of walking um extra a week I'm not even saying a day like a week like that's how impactful movement can actually be and so I think that a starting point is actually looking at you know if you track your steps I'm not saying that you have to at all but you could even do this like what you guys were talking about with taking photos of food and stuff like that, you can, if you've got an iPhone, like use the health app and just kind of like get an idea of how much movement you're, you're doing. And if you see that maybe you get like 2000 steps a day, it's like, okay, cool. Like there's no judgment there, right? It's like, that is what it is. So how can I maybe get for the next week, I'm going to aim to get 3000 steps and like starting there can be really helpful. It doesn't even need to be any more than that. If you're coming from a place of not actually doing any intentional exercise. And then from there, it might be like, okay, what, what have I actually got room for? And if we're thinking about COVID and like schedules and everything that's going on, do you really have the time and the space and the energy and the capacity to go to the gym five times a week, like F45 is telling you to do? 
Or could it be that you do commit to like 30 minutes of intentional exercise at home? You know, so it really doesn't need to be that drastic. And just getting some actual like walking in can be so impactful without it having to be like full on exercise, lifting, stuff like that. That was long, but you know what I mean? No, I think that that was really, really, really helpful. And I think that we forget a lot of the time about like, the about a couple of things one is idealistic versus realistic which is something I talk about all the time with my clients and a question that I actually ask them and you guys can ask yourself this like if you're listening to this ask yourself this when we're talking about building in new habits or making changes to their lifestyles I always ask them first like on a scale of one to ten how confident do you feel like you're able to to do this and then when they choose a number I'm like okay why did you choose this number not this one or this one this is one of the motivational interviewing uh kind of techniques and you can do this with yourself um but also I we I asked them what could be hold what could hold you back from this like what roadblocks could pop up along the way and so I think that that's where especially with like an all or nothing type thinker which so many of us are um I think it's so incredibly common um is this like like Olivia was saying like you could potentially go from like oh I, I you know I haven't been working out like I'm gonna go five days a week and it's like okay is that idealistic or is that realistic that's kind of the first question and then you can ask yourself how confident do I feel on a scale of one to ten that I can actually achieve this and if you're like well you know like a six like then it's probably too advanced of a change for you. Like we want to make sure that you're anywhere from like an eight to a 10. Like eight is like, yeah, I'm pretty confident I can do this. 10 is like, oh, there's no way I'm going to be able to miss out. And so like a 10 is an awesome place to be. Like I actually prefer that you're at a 10 of like, there's no way I'm going to miss out on this because then you can always level up. But like a lot of the time what happens is we set these really high goals and then we don't reach them. And then we just don't do anything. Um, and then ask yourself like, okay, if going to the gym five days a week is my goal um, and I feel like fairly confident I can do that, like what roadblocks could pop up? Like what things could come up in my week or in my mindset or in my life that could hold me back for doing, from doing that? And then I can identify like, okay, this is a roadblock. Is this a roadblock that I can overcome or is this something that I can't control? And so this is a kind of a process to go through. And I know we want to kind of try to, to wrap up here. Um, Olivia, do, did you want to pop in and, and add to this really quickly? Uh, yeah, just to say, I think that um, something that we often get wrong is that we start at like 100%. Like that is what perfect is. Like we should be doing everything 100%. Whatever 100% looks like for you, if that's like, working out five days a week like you think that that is what perfect is and we start there and then if we don't do that we're like oh my gosh I'm only doing like 70% like I'm not doing it right and so that can present kind of like a negative way to sort of think about things and a very um, difficult way to think about things when actually if we think about going from the opposite direction so if we think about going from zero and if we're like holy smokes like over the last month um, I've done four hours of intentional exercise. If I did a workout a week, which sounds a lot better than going, I told myself I was going to do five workouts a week and I did one in the first week and then it was too hard. I tried to do a second one or I did a second one and then I was just like, I just ran out of time. It was just too, too much. And then I only did two hours of workouts a, a week, you know? So I think if we think about going from the bottom and, um, it can feel like a little bit easier rather than going from like a hundred percent imperfect. 
Yeah, one, I completely agree with that. And I, I think that we only really touched on kind of like the two big rocks of like food and movement, but also just really briefly little things. We spent so much time talking about sleep a couple episodes ago. So I'm not going to go into that because if you are curious about how sleep may be affecting unintentional weight gain, please go back and listen to those two episodes. I believe it was episode 19 and episode 20, um, which are both amazing. Um, things like stress, we've touched on stress in previous episodes before. I imagine in the future, we'll do an episode just on stress and stress management. What do you think, guys? I think we'll probably end up doing one of those. Holly's giving me a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Yeah. And and so we're not going to go too much into that. But just to kind of recap a little bit of what we talked about, we talked about kind of the factors that may be involved in unintentional weight gain. We talked about the mental side of it, like where this can come from and then what the reaction tends to be when we realize that this is happening. Um, and then we talked about like unintentional versus intentional. So unintentional is like, I'm not aware. Intentional is okay. I'm, I'm aware. And I'm making changes based on information that I have and talked about like certain things that you can start tracking ways that you can start eating more mindfully. Um, Olivia gave us an amazing explanation of, of training and movement and how that can sort of have its role within weight management. Um, and then, and then we also, as, as I mentioned, we have a couple of podcasts that are very specifically going to dig into other things that may play a part in unintentional weight gain. One thing that we didn't touch on is hormones. And the reason that we didn't touch on that is because uh, unfortunately you do see on social media that like, oh, blame your hormones. Like it's your hormones problem. And like for most people, if you are paying attention to the things that we have talked about, including sleep, including stress management, um, the hormone side will most likely improve. It's not like I need to focus on my hormones and then these other things. It's like, I need to focus on these things. And then my hormones in most cases will see a positive change. Um, so we like to be here at Be Well Cartel. We like to do first things first um, and and not be like trying to sell you like, I'm like oh, I'll must break my cortisol. Like maybe, yeah, maybe it is your cortisol. I just, do you I like that say, voice? I want to, I want to, yeah, I was going to say, I want to find the the person, this voice that, that yeah. Jillian is. Well, it must the, be my yeah, cortisol. Must be a character. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it, it, that we, is we a lot should of actually the, give that character like a name like I, I'm that, happy to that do voices kind of like for alter you guys ego can be a part of the podcast yeah, yeah. we should come up with a our, name our like Mythbusters guy like it must be my cortisol it must be my you know my whatever <laughs> um and 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 I think that that's kind of like where you're seeing a lot of like the media jump to is like oh it must be your hormones um and and hormones definitely play a factor in our lives because they're things that happen in our bodies um, or don't happen in our bodies, depending on what's what's going on with you. But the way to, to help a lot of issues with hormones is through lifestyle change. Um, so that's why we at Be Well Cartel focus on lifestyle change first, um, not to say that testing can't be helpful and then identifying what's going on, but not going to go too far down that road. So, um, we've given a lot of information and a lot of stuff. Also the conversation that we had at the beginning guys was like incredible. So you may want to just and for anyone and who didn't whole... know what mercury and retrograde was. Now you do. That's exactly. obviously the most valuable thing you learned from today's podcast. Or, clearly, clearly. Or for, or for the people that may have known and were listening and just like, Face palming, listening to us, like, like yelling, yelling, like you guys, no, just like you guys, it's just so stupid. I know, I know. If you know what Mercury and retrograde is, or if you want to tell us more about it, um, give us a shout. On I want to hear from media. like an astrologist or something. You know, yeah. no, no, go on astrologist. Astrolog so like, like, yeah. like a 
like someone who studies real space. I was going to say a cosmetologist. It is not a cosmetologist. (laughs) (laughs) Our smarts are really showing today on this podcast. Yeah. It's anyways. So yeah. Thank you guys again, as always for being here. Um, If you liked this episode, give it a share, give us a shout on social media, either whether it's through the Be Well Cartel Instagram account, whether it's through the three of our Instagram account. Um, What I can tell you is that keep an eye on us because this year there's going to be some interesting things coming from Be Well Cartel. And that's all I'm going to say about that. All I'm going to say about that. See you again next week, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Be Well Cartel podcast. Make sure to hit follow on the podcast app of your choice, share this episode, and leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. It is a small effort with a big reward and the best way for other like-minded individuals to find the Be Well Cartel. To learn more about the Be Well Cartel community, stay up to date with us on Instagram at Be Well Cartel and see you again next week. We love feedback, so if you have anything to share with us, please reach out via Instagram to let us know what we are doing well, what we can improve on, and how we can support you.